Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you and to worship with you this morning at WPC. Uh, I want to take a moment to thank our confirmands for their leadership in worship this morning. Uh, they, they really helped design the service. They picked the hymns. They uh, uh, figured out who was doing what and, and helped piece the service together with the theme. So it was a joy to, to get to work with them this month. They're uh, truly uh, some young folks that are full of faith and life and were blessed by their presence in our church family. Today, we continue our Epiphany series um, entitled Let It Shine, as we see how Jesus shines God's light in the world and how we as disciples are called to shine this light in our own lives. Our gospel reading today continues where we left off last week in Luke. If you recall, Matthew's Sermon on the Mount becomes the Sermon on the Plain in Luke's gospel. He describes Jesus going down from the mountain to a level place standing on the same level as the people as he delivers his foundational sermon. The focus of this level sermon is to share what life looks like in the kingdom of God and how we can live into this kingdom today. Last week, as we began the Sermon on the Plain, I stepped down from the pulpit to deliver the sermon on level ground. And it seems like that's uh, a theme we should carry on today as we continue to move along in Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. As I said last week, this action of Jesus going down to level ground resembles a couple of things. First, it shows immediacy. It shows a Jesus who's accessible. But it's also symbolic of the sermon itself. It's a sermon that's spoken plainly. It's straightforward. It's spoken without nuance or subtlety. Let's continue on in in, uh, this level sermon. I invite you to listen now with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the sixth chapter of Luke's gospel, beginning with the 27th verse. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. To be honest, friends, there's another reason I wanted to preach this sermon from level ground. 
And it's to remind myself that like every sermon, this is one that I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to everyone else here. Love your enemies. Turn the other cheek. Give to others without hesitation or even expectation of return. Believe it or not, friends, when a car cuts me off on the road, just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I'm thinking, bless you, my child. (laughs) I'm probably thinking something a lot closer to what all of you are thinking. We all struggle with this, with showing love and grace and mercy to people when we feel like we've been wronged. We all struggle with how to respond when we feel like we've been hurt or humiliated. Over the past several decades, it's no surprise that one of the fastest rising genres in writing is in self-help. As people, we always want a new solution to what's holding us back in life, whether it's our relationships, career, finances, so on. And as much as we want help, we even more so want easy answers to our problems. Just give me five steps, five easy steps for my problem, and then I can move on. It's no surprise that some folks in ministry have caught on to this trend and have tried to warp the gospel, including passages like we read today, into easy, attractive answers and steps for self-improvement. Now, friends, our gospel reading today offers much in terms of how to improve oneself, but trust me, there are no easy answers here. The teachings here are not ones that uh, would sell tons of books today. This is not a teaching that would necessarily fill a stadium either. They're teachings, though, that have the power to transform our lives and the entire world around us, though. Jesus comes down to a level place and teaches his disciples to love our enemies, to turn the other cheek, to give to others, and of course the golden rule, do to others what you would have them do to you. Editor of the Presbyterian Outlook, Jill Duffield, says that this list is as familiar as it is difficult. I'm willing to guess that not many of us woke up this morning, myself included, hoping to come to church to be challenged today. This is a difficult teaching. Perhaps it's even an impossible one. Well, on our own at least. These teachings have also proven to be dangerous and countercultural as well. This idea of loving people who don't love you back, giving to those who cannot give back, this teaching flew smack dab in the face of, the, of the, uh, what was known as the patronage system in the Roman culture, uh, under which uh, Jesus and uh, people of Jesus' time lived. Patronage was a form of currency back then. You gave stuff or loyalty to others and the expectation that it would be repaid to you. Uh, Sometimes it would be paid in the form of protection, sometimes status, or other things. It was the ancient version of, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. In this time, it would be unfathomable to give to someone who couldn't give back at a later time. It's clear, then, who would be left out of this kind of patronage system. Those who have nothing. Those who have been deemed unworthy by the powers that be. You know, all of the people that Jesus called blessed in our reading last week. The system made it harder, if not impossible, for anyone else to even extend a sliver of grace. So Jesus telling his followers to love people that not only won't return it, but to love enemies would be an unthinkable act in such a system. 
As I said before, Luke's picture of Jesus is one who seeks to turn the world as we know it upside down and twist it inside out. There's another danger in this text, though. But this one is more in how it's been interpreted over the years. People in leadership in the church have, uh, over time, read Jesus' words to turn the other cheek in loving the enemy as grounds for people in abusive relationships to remain there. And sadly, such readings still happen today. I'll say this as simply or as plainly on level ground as possible. Jesus never condones abuse of any kind. He never tells people to stay in hurtful, abusive relationships. Instead, Jesus calls for accountability and justice for those who harm others. And he calls his disciples to do the same. So we've uncovered, friends, that Jesus' teachings to love, bless, and pray for enemies, to give without expectation of return, these teachings are difficult. Perhaps they're even impossible. Further still, that these teachings are ones that are at odds with the world we live in. One commentator noted that this isn't a self-help or self-improvement teaching of Jesus, but rather it's a teaching that could surely lead to disaster because of how at odds it is with the world we live in. Jesus himself embodied this teaching, and he learned firsthand how these subversive teachings could lead to his arrest and eventually crucifixion. So perhaps in addition to a teaching, Jesus is trying to shine forth something else, something greater than a life lesson. As I said earlier, this whole sermon on the plane is about the kingdom of God, what it looks like, how we can live into it. Here, Jesus shines forth God's own model of grace and mercy. This is how God operates, by grace shown through love. The word for love used in this section is agape, which is uh, the unconditional love of God. Through Christ, God loves all of us even those we don't know or understand or like. God loves even those who hate God, even those who hate us. And God loves them and all of us, whether we like it or not. Friends, this is what life in the kingdom looks like. When we extend the love and grace of God to one another, especially those we are at odds with ourselves, we are participating in the indwelling of the kingdom of God here on earth, now, today. In our first lesson this morning, Joseph is a good example of this kind of kingdom love. After being sold into slavery by his brothers, he in turn shows mercy to them when they come to him in Egypt desperate for food. Joseph easily could have dealt with his brothers harshly, and not many would have blamed him for it. But instead, he decided to respond with mercy and love. He didn't push him away in the story. Remember what he said? Remember what he said in the story? Instead of pushing him away, he said, come closer, my brothers. Through this act of grace, he reconciled himself with his family, and he helps bring his family and his people to safety. As it is the last Sunday in February, which serves as Black History Month, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention how the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and the Civil Rights Movement committed themselves to responding to hatred uh, with love. Like Joseph calling those who harm them, 
the, the folks in the civil rights movement called people to come closer. In his letter from a Birmingham jail, Dr. King actually mentions this text uh, from Luke and, and Jesus' words. And after being called an extremist himself, he said, Jesus here is an extremist. He's an extremist of love. And how we as Christians are called to be extremists of love, always responding with love in the face of hatred and violence. So maybe, friends, we can't be a biblical superhero like Joseph or the civil rights leader Martin Luther King Jr. But what might this look like for all of us on our journey of agape? How can we shine the light of Christ through our love? Friends, it's no secret that we live in a divided and fractured world. A world that continues to push us more and more towards like-minded people and communities. Such a fracturing has pushed us away over time from friends, family members, colleagues, neighbors. The list could go on and on. Perhaps this call from Jesus to love, bless, and pray for our enemies is a call to find reconciliation and unity with our neighbors with whom we disagree. To find a way to bless rather than curse. To find a way to pray rather than gossip. To find a way to love rather than hate. Instead of push away and burrow into our silos, Jesus' teaching here calls us to respond like Joseph and say, Come closer. Come closer, my sisters and brothers. Let's come closer in relationship with each other to find our unity, to find our common ground, to find that which makes us human and makes us all beloved children of God together. This kind of reconciliation of our society and in our personal relationships isn't something that can happen overnight. There are no easy five-step programs for this. It takes time and healing and awkward, trying, difficult conversations. And to be honest, we'll likely mess up plenty along the way. But little by little, with God's grace, we might see progress. Jill Duffield described such progress like this. Getting to a place of mercy comes in stages, fits and starts with glimpses of grace mixed with extended stretches of threatening terrain. A dinner with pleasant conversation is considered progress. A moment of laughter like a visitation from the Spirit. Enough time lapsed to talk without immediately getting defensive, a major step toward one another. Eventually, cautiously, forgiveness creeped in the cracks and created bonds stronger in the broken places. Friends, this is the beauty of God's grace. God's grace that makes any of this kind of come closer reconciliation and agape love possible with our neighbors. And it's the very grace we're called to extend to one another as disciples. So may we let the light of Christ shine through our love, friends, by extending grace and blessing and praying for people with whom we disagree and are at odds with. Like Joseph, may we always call for our brothers and sisters to come closer rather than push away. In this way, we're able, by grace, to live into God's kingdom. And shine forth this love, that all may know the transformational grace of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, may it be so. Amen.